<clears throat> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else. How are you doing? Matt McSweeney, Hot Take Hotbox. I like these solo missions. I'm liking my diatribes. I actually don't really care if anyone's loud with listening anymore because now I'm just getting all of my thoughts on this is like a, this is like me writing my audiobook but just me predicting and talking to you about all of my so dire and important sports opinions that honestly if the world didn't get a piece of what I if the world did know what my thoughts are like what my thoughts were on that Warriors Sixers game jeez dude what the fuck would we do we would be screwed we really would. Um, I just, I know, I just saw, I was just sitting on Twitter before I came on here. So, Jake Paul calling out Soldier Boy. He wants to box him. Soldier Boy said, Boy, I'll knock your ass out. Now, you know, as you, if anyone listens to this, I will, I, big, big time fight fan. That, I don't, and, and I'm not even a, against a, a bullshit fight like that. You know, I like the, the McGregor Mayweather. I even watched the last Logan Paul shit or Jake. I don't know who the whatever Paul brother. Who gives a fuck? Let me see who which one it was. Because the one lost, the one won. But the it was Jake Paul. I think he he was the one that caught the L. Any 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 Logan and Jake Paul brother uh, aficionados out there, feel free. But uh, I would like to see the odds. I don't know what Soldier Boy's hands are worth, or what what he what he's got. Uh, what he would really, I mean, he has shot people, but I don't know in the in the squared circle how how young how big Draco would, you know, young Draco, whatever, whatever he calls himself, just the big Draco. That's what I'm gonna call him. big Draco. Uh, what his hands are, what his hands are like. He's going to trade with Floyd Mayweather for the uh, Chris Brown fight. That never happened, so. Who knows, bro? Who knows? That just caught that caught my eye right before I came on here. I want to talk about the Sixers-Warriors to start off with. I, I'm not going to stay too long on too much of uh, anything here tonight. I'm just, this is going to be a quick just to get I got to do a, I do have a lot of stuff to talk about, though. So, Sixers-Warriors. Uh, I mean, what fucking hell of a game, bro. Uh, I don't, don't want to overreact. It was, it was, they didn't have Clay Thompson, but you got a great game from Curry. Durant wasn't horrible, but he, but he made shots when he needed them. Cousins was, and eh, he's still getting back. You can tell he still, he's. Still uh, efficient, and you know, he's still boogie cousins, but he's not—he's not back to that yet. You can tell that he's just not himself. Still, I—I—it doesn't matter going on the road like that, beating that team at eighty percent. I would say if they didn't have the—they didn't have one of their starting five. Oh man. What a win, dude. What a fucking win. Ben Simmons played the game of his life last night. Oh, I don't even care what his numbers were, triple double or not. I don't care what what 
what you need to quantify how he did that, whatever metric or it doesn't get, it doesn't matter. What what is the what is the stat for that? For just being the floor general. For just lead, he led that team last night through through good and bad. He was the only constant throughout the whole game. You saw, you saw Joel. He started off horrible. He he does that in most of those big games. He kind of just lets lets the whole, you know, lets everything get to him. Lets the bullshit get to him. But Ben, he, it even seemed like I, I saw one time when Brett was arguing with the ref. You saw, you saw Ben over there like yelling at him, like trying to like don't don't even worry about that bullshit, dude. We're not. We're, come on, dude. What the fuck? We're gonna win this game. Don't be arguing with him. We gotta just keep going. I need you to be calling the plays out, man. He was grabbing boards. He was defensively unreal, jumping in, in every pass. And we they turned the ball. We turned the ball over a ton, but they turned the ball over a ton as well. Steph included. I think he had six turnovers. Embiid had eight. God damn. I mean. I guess you know that's it. That is how that's how it is. I mean, you, you, not to say that this translates in a in a seven game series or anything, but it's just you know you, what, what did we all say before this? If we wanted to see this against, or at least I did, I wanted to see it against good teams, and that it doesn't get better than the Warriors, bar none, whether they are full strength or not. That is the best team in the league last night that we played. We snapped a what an eleven game win streak. Come on, man. Come on. Give the the credit is due, my friend. That was awesome. Absolutely any sort of adjective you can think of. Uh well, I guess what can I say? What what may, what, what what Draymond terrible. He's. Uh, it seems like to me he's a liability. He, his time in Golden State's numbered. It doesn't even seem like he's the driving force, or he doesn't get. They don't need that motivation. Like I guess they needed before, when he when they were coming up and they needed that motivational. They needed that guy to get you going and get everyone amped up and maybe you know get under your skin, talk a little bit to get you fired up for the game. I don't think they need that anymore. They're champions. They don't need to be patted on the back and told that they're great to go out and do great things. Not to say they ever did. This is kind of like a theory of as to why it seems Draymond, I don't know if his play really – has his play gone down? Maybe, maybe a little bit. But not – not marketably, you know what I mean? Like, not, not in a huge manner to where it, it, that's why they would be getting rid of him. I think it would be a combination of he – before, it, it was always – he is a great – he's always been a great defensive player, and he is they're just their emotional support. He's the rock. He is what – he is their leader, their emotional leader. They have Steph as their leader, and then they always said, like, Draymond is their – you know, whatever. It just doesn't seem. It doesn't to me seem like that. That's that's true anymore. They, no one really cares what 
he, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't really think, I don't know. Don't know. Just speaking. For, I, I am not a guy that would know because I am not in the locker room, nor do I honestly watch the Warriors enough to give that opinion. Just what I, just what I see whenever I watch them, which is fucking, you know, once a week because they're always on national TV. You can watch them whenever you want. I think almost 82 of their games are uh, seeable to the public, you know? Shit. We talk about the Sixers, though. I already talked about Ben, and I could continue to talk about him. There was no fear. He kept going. He he knows that he doesn't trust the jumper, and he just kept. It, it didn't matter last night. It kept. He just kept going to the bucket. Going, going. Watching some dunk contest from. They keep showing that Zion Williamson on dunk contest on uh, ESPN over and over again. Sick of that shit. Um, what was I just talking about? Uh, ben, Ben, just yeah, like I said, I could talk about it all night. He, it seemed like anything he did last night worked. It was all good. It was all good. I don't really have a bad thing to say. He had so many of those steals and like in the open floor, that pat pass that he had up to uh, Jimmy Butler, defense that block on Curry. The when he got back on Iguodala, Iguodala had that like the open dunk it seemed like, and Ben, it, it would any other uh, anyone any other NBA player would have dogged it and said nah, I'm good on that. But Ben got back, man, and just didn't foul him. Didn't even try for the pit. He just got in front of him, stopped his movement, said, "What are you doing? What are you gonna do about it, dude?" That was a great play, but that that you know that's not like I don't know. That's not the shit that you're gonna see in the in the stat sheet. That's the shit you have to like you know. That's the shit that he just does. He he just he is he's fucking valuable, man, and he's proven it. He's proven me wrong. I'm not to say that I was like a detractor of him, but I've had I've had a lot of doubts, big time doubts. And he he you know, and that that honestly not even big time doubts. These the, the the one doubt that left uh, had was that he sucked against. I had this. I had to see him play well against a good team. Not even great. He didn't end up to play like he did last night. I just had to see that he he wasn't like it was possible for him to do it. Even with a guy like Draymond, guys like KD, those are matchups that would be tough, tough for him. <clears throat> you know, he struggles against the one of the, the Mars twins. They're no slouch, but s- seemingly Draymond and KD would pose more of a defensive threat. He was cooking them. He just knew when to go and when not to. And he knows that a lot of the time, but everything seemed to work last night. And it, it is, it looks, that's what is awesome about him. It looks so beautiful when he's, when he, everything he does is working with that. That uh, jumping, he went, he came across a paint and threw that behind the back pass, behind him, behind the back. Bounce pass. Nuts. Like a hard bounce pass out to Jimmy Butler. Hits the fadeaway. End one. Awesome. The Muscala block. There was a there was a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of moments last night. 
And dude, I mean, come on. I said I'm not going to overreact, but fuck. How can you not? How can you not? Uh, let me just go through. Uh, I said MB, rough start, great finish. Uh, all set off by the uh, windmill dunk at halftime. Knew that was going to be a big thing for him. So he was going to get him pumped up. He, you know, he did his thing. He grabbed 20 boards. That's going to be a constant for Joel. Always grabbing boards. JJ, ridiculous. Ridiculous. I don't understand. Anyone who knows who plays, who's played basketball, it's always easier to, sh- I feel like, shoot on your opposite hand. You know, if you're going this way, you can fade away that way. It, to me, it is so hard to fade to your right, to your shooting hand, either way. And J.J. does that, dude, all the time. And he was shooting fadeaways going into the into their bench in Boogie Cousins' face, a 6'10", you know, big man, bearing down on him. No problem for J.J. He hit that. He hit the clutch, the, the dagger last night to, to seal the deal. Uh... Bench. That's what I wanted to talk about, baby. The bench. I mean, I saw a tweet last night, comment saying that uh, it was amazing how the Sixers, might have been Max Rappaport, Sixers bench just like magically became elite last night uh, against the Golden State Warriors. Like how awesome that is, you know. I don't know about all that, but it was it was fucking awesome to see all of those guys have like the best game of their lives, other than Corey Brewer, obviously. But uh, <clears throat> we got Land- Landry fucking jam it. The chase down block, everything he did, the op- he knocking down any open three he gets these days. Uh, the chase down block was ridiculous because the way if it, I was watching on TNT, I I fucking forgot that the that Mark Zumoff and the boys were gonna be on. I just I was watching the game before and forgot to switch. I was so jacked up for the game uh, that that was the most excited I'd been for Sixers game in quite some time since the playoffs probably last year. Dude, that. That pin down block, they showed a camera angle from like right up top, and it was just like you know him. You didn't really see it, sham it, and he came out of nowhere. It's like, block that shit. Someone saved it. He comes running into the. I mean, Muscala got the ball. I think he walked, but you know, you know, they don't call walks. He pat, you know, passed that ball off the sham, and I was like, no way. He's going bang, cash that and one. I was like, dude, that's that's as good as a fucking one. You know, a possession. Two possessions that you could fucking get, dude. The chase down, the pin block, and then the four point play. Yeah, that's definitely top three basketball plays. Anyone that can think of a better basketball play, let me know. Uh, the four point play. It doesn't. Uh, maybe like a, a a fucking like you know probably the best is like a Zion sort of like pick the pop like easily pick the pass and no one's even near you but and then you get to do some crazy fucking you know like 360 windmill dunk but I'm white so I just have to lay the ball up off the backboard if I even but I'm not that fast so there's usually defense breathing down my neck and I choke the layup off the backboard you know but shit happens do what I got yeah do what I got to do maybe I'll just pull up from three that's usually that's usually my go to move Muscala playing in crunch time last night that blew my mind. If that hadn't worked out, the Sixers Twitter would have would have fucking freaked out. They had all of their the ammunition was flying off. TJ was getting too much too many minutes. Even though, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, he played well. Okay, 
I don't know who the fuck, what the fuck you people think when someone switch, when KD switches, whoever switches on the KD is going to get, is going to look absolutely ridiculous and they're going to get fried. And it just looks worse because it's TJ and his hair, you know, he's always fucking with his hair and he's 6'2". Yeah, it looks bad. I understand that. But it wasn't every fucking, it wasn't every play. And he probably does play too many minutes, obviously. But he—that's what we're—that's the situation we're in right now. Would you? I don't want Shake Milton out there. You trust Shake Milton? I trust TJ more than I trust any of those guys. So that's pretty much what it's coming down to at this point. Do you trust him over those other guys? Yes or no? Uh. I'm trying to think of other other bench guys. I we're not seeing we're barely seeing any Furcon anymore. Sad Jonah, great on defense. He's been doing you know eh, on offense. Hit some threes. He airballed that. He shot a rainbow three like off the front of the rim to start the game. He's he's great on help. It seems help defense and dudes. He just you don't see him coming and he's got real long arms. He's just swatting them things out of bounds. Uh, any, uh, there was no Amir last night. I don't think we were going to see a lot of Amir anymore anyway. But that's that's about that's pretty much the only thing I can think of. We're five and two during so far during this you know the gauntlet sort of uh, period through February. We got what five days five days for, until the trade deadline. So and we have the Kings tomorrow or t- technically today at ten o'clock. We we are at at uh. I don't know what the fuck their arena is called. Who cares, honestly? Uh, that's it. we have to avoid it. We obviously, would want to avoid a letdown. So wouldn't be the worst thing, you know. With a wouldn't make me uh, regret or take back anything I'm saying to, today if they go out and lose tomorrow or tonight, whatever. Okay, fuck. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say tomorrow because I haven't gone to sleep yet. So when I go to sleep, then I wake up. That's today. Okay, that's how I'm operating. I don't give a fuck what you people say. <laughs> uh, shit. Well, uh, damn, I got I gotta stop going on these little rants. Uh, Sacramento. Oh yeah, it, I could see them losing that game. A little letdown sort of situation, but it, it would, I would like to see them win. Obviously. Um, what else? What else we gotta talk about? Uh, oh, you know, a couple, a couple. I guess we can call, talk about a couple of trade options. Then you know, that next trade was garbage. Can't believe the Knicks actually did that, but I guess it seems like they're betting. On them, they're giving themselves options. They're betting on them, their ability to land a big time free agent. Maybe they know something we don't. It's very possible. Um, Kyrie, KD, you know, before we got Jimmy Butler, it was always a talk that Jimmy Butler would go there. Uh, I don't know why, but fuck, who knows? Um,. What, but you know, I don't see that happening. Obviously, uh, what could, what do I want? What, what could I see happening? Like, what, what could I see the Sixers doing? I, I see a lot of, uh, you know, trade scenarios. Who we should pick up on <clears throat> the buyout market? So uh, there's a lot of names being flown around. So let me say, let me talk about my, a couple of my favorites first, or you know, a couple of trade options. Uh, the trade with Drew Holiday, I, I saw a tweet from somebody, somebody that I don't trust, because if their name's not Woj or Shams, 
or pretty much like a, some sort of high-ranking uh, like ESPN, or you have to be a long uh, lifer. So if I don't know your name right away when I say it, I don't really trust it until you've been right a couple times. Then I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe now, maybe now we should follow this guy. Let's uh, let's give this guy some love. All right, let's see, we'll see what's uh, let's see what he's got to say. So I think it's just like scoop something. Brandon Robbins, I don't know what the fuck his name was, but he he said Markel, Wilson Chandler, Zaire Smith, and a 2021 first round, probably the Heat pick, and for for that first rounder for Drew Holiday. So Markel, Wilson Chandler, Zaire Smith, and a first rounder for Drew Holiday. Would you do that? Would I do that? I would. And I would pose it as this. I, I, all right. So obviously, not not in love with giving up on young guys. Okay, even though you could probably go and find something where I, on this podcast where I've given up on multiple young people. Um, I would say Drew Holiday. You would have. You would not have to worry about a his ability and b. Him, his contract status, or you know, it, him staying, him, you know, sticking around, because he, I believe, he's in, uh, under contract for three, the next three years, I want to say, three or four, could possibly be four. I don't know if he signed a five-year deal last year, but I know he just signed a max contract, um, or near max, with the Pelicans. So he said he even thought he was like, dude, ninety percent of the reason why I signed here was because of uh, Anthony Davis. So. Sure, he's disappointed. He's obviously obviously we had Drew before, and we traded him there. Pretty much, he's like the prince of the process. He was, that was pretty much during the beginning. Once we made the trade for Bynum, and that blew up, then they that that following that season, you know, we traded for Bynum in I think this uh, the summer of twenty twelve, the twenty twelve twenty thirteen seasons when Drew Holiday and their boys played the last their last year, and then traded them. Traded them in that draft. That tw- I think it was the 2013 draft. Yeah, we got the pick. We got the pick for Nerlens. We got MCW, Dario. I don't know if we got all that in there. I think I don't think Dario was the next year, but you know what I'm saying. Drew Holiday has Philly roots, and he is very in touch and very. Ingrained in the in this what we've been doing here and what Philadelphia basketball honestly to me is all about. That guy, he's he does he plays hard all the time. He's smart. He can obviously shoot. He he just always to me has been like a he's a he's a complete solid player. Whether he's worth the money or not is I'm not even arguing that or. You know, I you could anyone could argue that none of those guys are worth any of that money unless they're in the top fifteen of the league or whatever. Would I trade that for Drew Holiday? Yes, and I would not think twice. He ended the tweet with the Pelicans have not decided. They're probably not doing that. There's really there's no rush for the Pelicans to do anything. They're not trading Anthony Davis before. February 7th, I think it's next Thursday. They're not doing that. There's really no reason for them to. 
I we saw tonight Lonzo, Kuzma, and uh, Rondo, Beasley, and a first rounder. I think that's terrible. They could have had Rondo if they wanted them. They chose not to. Beasley? You think Beasley's a tradable asset? Like that's what like LeBron's probably like I don't want I want to keep Lance. Trade the other guys. Rondo's probably like, "All right, well, fuck you." Dick. I didn't do nothing to you. Been balling. Even though when he threw it off that guy's leg, it was like, I don't know what the fuck. You get. I, I don't know. It seemed stupid to me the other night. Against the Clipper. I think it was last night. Threw it off his leg. And then he almost like blew his knee out. Going, uh, going up for like a, a block at the end of the game. When the clock had already expired. It's just stupid. Stupid exchange. Uh, I also saw Miritich as another option. Uh, I saw a lot of my timeline. Was very excited about that. They won. Miritich is awesome. But it was a lot of the similar. It was like Markel in a first, I think I saw. It looks like Zaire and maybe a first or. I don't, I don't know. I also saw a Justin Patton, who is a uh, center. On the Sixers bench, and uh, and Zaire are supposed to be making their their G League debut down in Delaware next week. Um, so if you're, a, I don't even know if that's viewable, but if uh, oh, I just saw Ryan Tannehill got cut. Big whoop. Um, man, talk about Ryan Tannehill. Talk about a guy that. Nobody gives a shit about in the NFL. A because he sucks. Well, I mean, he hasn't. That's he's one of them guys. He's probably always gonna have a job. He doesn't really like suck, suck, and he's not good at all. So he's not gonna like blow horribly, blow huge dicks, and he's not gonna lose you games. So it's just like, eh, you know, eh, whatever. Ryan fucking Tannehill. Some yeah, Miritich. Markel and a first. I don't know. I, I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if I'm trading Markel for Miritich. Also, another thing about that uh, Drew Holiday trade. I don't know. Uh, I I know I, I'm not. I, I was about to. I made a thought, and I, I don't think I really finished it about the you know giving up on young guys. But I think I am for that in the situation where I don't think any of the guys that I'm trading are going to be better than Drew Holiday is for me for these next whatever years. Because for as long as you have Drew, I'm pretty sure that that's going to be the you know the run you're going for, the prime. I don't know how the salary cap works, but if you can you know run into the next couple years, per se, you're going to obviously fill up around these guys. And you got guys like Shamit and players like that. That you hope would be player. I was gonna say other like guys like Zaire and stuff, but you're trading them. So you're hoping a guy, guys like Shamit Bolden, would be your, you know, keys to the bench. 
or key, you know, keys for you just in general. They'll do whatever you need. They'll be here until eventually they become, you know, whatever, unrestricted. They'll go get paid somewhere else. But on the rookie contracts, they'll be awesome for you. You know, how Golden State gets guys like McCall and uh, Looney and stuff like that. They they make these – they're the Quinn Cook now. Uh, they, they're, they're the, they get perf- performance out of these guys. They turn these guys into players at a high championship level because they they're in they play in the biggest games every year and they're not that would be the time that all you, the that we we conceivably would think that the muscalas of the world would get exposed I saw something about Kevin Love he might be like on the market or something like that who the hell would want Kevin Love god that's all he is he's just a rich he would be a rich man's muscala and he's just too short to do anything. What, what does he do? He's just he's just he'd be an overpaid jump shooter. That's all he is at this point. I don't know what he ever was. Cause the videos they used to show of him in Minnesota, you would have thought that he was the next KG. And then they traded him, and it was like, you know, what the fuck is this? Who the fuck is this guy? I thought he could back someone down and hit some shots or do some... I thought he was, had, like, nice post work. But it, I guess no one really mentioned the fact that he was 6'10", 6'11". He was grabbing, like, 20, 30 boards in games and stuff like that. What the hell? What the fuck happened? I guess LeBron just ruined him. Then he shows up in the pool like, sign here, motherfucker. And Kevin Love's like, all right, I'll, I'll resign. Shit, sorry. And LeBron's like, I'm leaving. Fuck this. Kyrie left. He's like, you better stay. You better stay, man. No, I don't even know if any of that... And that's how that worked out. Uh, We should probably think about, as a team, picking up the uh, dead from the... Uh, from the... Um, that next trade, the, the Brzingis uh, to the Mavs. Wesley Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, all guys who are probably going to be free agents very soon. And I don't, I would obviously love DeAndre Jordan as a backup center. Every team in the NBA would. So he's going to have his pick of the litter on who he wants to go to. <clears throat> I highly doubt he's going to pick here because the minutes are not going to be, any, time, any sort of minutes in crunch time aren't going to be there either. That's probably what a, what a man of his stature and uh age and what what you know he's going for a one one year run he's trying to get paid this off season so he wants to play and he wants you know he wants notoriety and he, he wants he wants to get paid next next season so and he wants to play obviously so Lakers I could see that for sure you know DeAndre has obviously obviously has ties to the uh, Los Angeles area. Um, I saw you know I can see Golden State if no one wants to have him start. Houston Capella will be back, so that'll be their starter. Oh man, Toronto. I know they have Valanciunas and they got Surge, but. That could be an addition. Maybe the Bucks. 
Brooke Lopez, but he's not really the you know, rebounding physical presence that DeAndre Jordan is. So, Jordan, like I said, Jordan will have his options, my friends. He's going to be able to go wherever he wants. And Dennis Smith Jr. was also a part of that trade. just popped into my head. Uh, that's the only feasible asset that the Knicks got in that trade, other than the cap space. So, I, I, I don't... We need a guy like DeAndre Jordan, <clears throat> voice crack, but we need a guy like DeAndre Jordan to come off the bench. And, you know, we need a rim-protecting center. You're not, I don't think you're going to get a guy like DeAndre Jordan at that level. You know, but when I say that, I mean, like, you're not going to have a guy like DeAndre Jordan coming off your bench and playing reserve minutes. For your team, you would be lucky as shit if that is something like that were to happen. And I would never be against it, but it's just not a reality. Uh, shit. What else was I gonna... What else was I gonna get off my chest? Uh, yeah, Wesley Matthews. That's another guy that I... I that's really, I think, the guy we need to key in on. Because he would perfectly fit what we need. We need a guy who can play deep, a little bit of defense. He's not a, a, by no means a defensive stopper, but he is serviceable on the defensive end. If not, I wouldn't say he's elite, but he is good on defense. He's above average. There you go. Above average on defense. And he can, and he strokes the three, which we that I think that's a that should be a requisite a prerequisite when you come here to the Sixers now that you need to be able to shoot threes because you see some like Corey Brewer's awesome he's great he's a pest and he's great on defense but you saw them them threes he was shooting yesterday and you know what you can't play any guy like that in any sort of meaningful that's what the, the knock against TJ is you can't play him during the meaningful guts of the game. Because, you know, he's can't shoot the ball. And he can't get it off in time. Doesn't have a release that is even close to being, you know, a flex sort of situation. That is robotic and it takes time to get off. So we're going to need guys like Wes Matthews and Reddick's, Bellinelli's. Uh, not not now, but you know what I'm saying. We need those kind of players because Ben is going to dime them up. They are always going to find open spots on our team because we'll have Ben diming them up, creating uh, opportunities off the drive, and anytime that the offense slows down, they're going to dump it down to Joel, and eventually someone's going to have to come with a double, and who are you going to leave open? Maybe leave Ben open. But then he's going to come streaking down. And are you going to stop him when he gets ahead? Ben, Stem, ben Simmons is unstoppable if he gets ahead of steam. You can't do anything about it. If you let him get like two or three steps, like before you, you have to stop. He's the typical case of you have to stop the ball. You heard that if you've ever played basketball. Stop the ball. You need to stop the ball whenever Ben Simmons is fucking coming up the floor, dude. Don't even hesitate. You need to either take the foul because if he if he gets like three or four steps, he's going by you. Either way, you you good. You can try to take a charge or whatever, but he he saw that coming. He's gonna go right by you and dunk it. 
scream in your head and scream in your head, scream in your face and get in your head. Shit. But that, that yeah, like that's what we're gonna need. Shooters. All shooters. And shooters not shooters who are athletic and can play defense. We don't need a bunch of Bellinelli's and Reddicks on the floor, as great as shooters as they are. We need kind of guys who are versatile as well. You need to be able to do more than just shoot the ball. Because I think the you'll see in a seven-game series when you're trying to beat the best teams in the world, they'll just key in on guys like that. Boston did it last year. And they're not Golden State. You know, they're, they're Boston. Okay, so... And they didn't have Kyrie. And obviously Gordon Hayward. So not whenever we said, oh, they didn't have Gordon Hayward. Well, that, that's obviously not a big deal at all. <clears throat> it's a shame. But I don't really know how great of a player he was to begin with. Yeah, who knows? It was worth a max contract, and he was obviously a good player in Utah. But it, I mean, he's just a six man. He's a max contract six man at this point. That's tough. That's tough there, Boston. All right. Sad, sad to say. Hate to say it. Tough scene. Trade deadline five days away. Guys like Anthony Davis ain't going nowhere. Kyrie Irving. I want to. I. I Screenshotted <clears throat> before I read this, let me get some water. Screenshotted the uh, <clears throat> what Anthony Dave Anthony Davis's dad today uh, sent a text to our good old friend Ramona Shelburne. Ramona Shelburne, that is from ESPN. She used to do a lot of uh, Clippers ESPN sort of beat when uh, when Lob City was in its in its height. Good quality H2O. I gotta stop drinking these plastic bottles. I gotta start. I gotta get myself a nice water bottle though. Someone gotta send me one. Cause I, that's not something I'll ever spend money on. And water is very key. You need need to have your water in order to survive, ladies and gentlemen. This 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 podcast is sponsored by water. Uh this is <coughs> excuse me. This is Anthony Davis Sr. Okay? Which can't be confused with Anthony Davis. Not Junior, just Anthony Davis. Uh, this is him on his son's future. He said, Boston, dot, dot, dot. I would never want my son to play for Boston after what they'd done to Isaiah Thomas, dot, dot, dot. No loyalty, in all caps, dot, dot, dot. Guy gives his heart and soul and they traded him. Dot, dot, dot. Anyone can print that. Dude, that, yeah. I love that. I love that, Mr. Davis Sr. Mr. Anthony Davis Sr. That is beautiful. Fuck the Celtics. All right, that is what I'm motherfucking talking about. They did, excuse me, they did do Isaiah Thomas wrong. Everybody knows that. 
They rushed him out there, made him play with that fucked up hip. And then when they knew it was fucked up, they traded him to Cleveland and didn't tell them how fucked up it was. And that man was set. He was getting ready to get a fucking max contract. All right, maybe that's just how it goes. All right, maybe, maybe that maybe that is. But Boston, Boston's dirty. They knew exactly what they were doing. And does it make me happy that yeah, you know what? That none of these guys want to go there now, and that Kyrie might leave. Yeah, that makes me thrilled. All right, let me read you some of the stuff. Anthony Davis obviously came out and said, you know, this, this maybe it's just this place just isn't for you know. I did everything I could here, and you know, I, I did what I, I did what I I could here. Whatever, all right? Uh, what did he say? I'm about legacy. The money comes and goes. What have I done? Uh, I've done everything I could in New Orleans. Stuff like that. But I'm not going to hold that. Hold it against that man. All right? He, he fucking, he put his time in. And people always say, you live out your contract. You have a contract. It's like Doug Gottlieb getting on his uh, high horse. If you don't know who Doug Gottlieb is, you don't need to know. Talking about how, because it's his dad talking about the loyalty thing. He's like defending the Celtics. You have a year and a half left and Pelicans offered you this. Like, dude, fuck off. He just told, he already just, he just said that before the game. I don't. <laughs> the guy wants out. He wants out. He said so. If he's going to stand there, he's willing to answer questions. And everyone's saying now he's not going to play until he's traded. I'm not so sure about that. Fingers broken. He said his, he plans on coming back. There's no right way, honestly, to go about doing that. If you want to be traded like that. It's such a high-profile situation. You're pissing so many people off. No one's going to give you any sort of slack. They're going to cut you any breaks or, you know, give you any sort of, you know, break in the media. You're a millionaire athlete. That's all. uh, Hold on. Let me me pull up a little bit of uh, what Kyrie was saying today. Maybe I can get... I don't know if uh, I can get it on video or not. Or not video. They're all chanting Kyrie, Kyrie tonight in New York. I would do the same thing. If I were the fans in New York, I'd be praying. I'm pretty sure the Sixers fans did it to uh, LeBron last year, and he just said, you know, fuck off and went to L.A. Made the stupidest decision because he, now he's not going to get anybody. And by the time he gets Anthony Davis, he'll be an old man. An old, shriveled up old man. Telling stories about how he beat the greatest team of all time. And Kyrie was there and he helped me. It was great. Uncle Kevin was here too. JR, Richard. It was great. All right, here you go. Has your mindset shifted in regards to re-signing with Boston Mike, the announcement? Ask me July 1st. I'm not worried about a reputation. I'm not worried about a legacy to leave. 
I'm just trying to be a human being, trying to make the best decision for me and my family. So, you know, um, obviously, you know, things this season haven't gone as, as I planned. Um, and, you know, and that's part of being on a team where you're, you're still trying to figure things out. But at the end of the day, like I said, I spent the last eight years trying to do what everybody else wanted me to do um, in terms of making my decisions and trying to validate through the media, through other personnel, managers, anybody in this business. And I don't owe anybody So, you know, I still have confidence in Boston Damn. and what they can promise for the future and what we have in terms of our pieces. And that's what excited me a lot about the beginning of the season was the opportunity to, you know, come into this season really just doing what we planned on doing, set a goal and go after it, and then see what happens at the end of the season. So that was the plan before, and that's still the plan now. Um, you know, obviously Boston's still at the head of that race, and, um, you know, that's just where it stands. The Celtics quote of note is... Fuck the Celtics. So Kyrie getting a little cocky with everyone, saying he doesn't know anybody's shit. I don't know when he... I don't know how it's taken him this long to realize all of this. But apparently he, I don't know what all of that even means. He did, he's been doing things because people have been telling him to, I guess. Seems like he, seemed to me, what I got was, they were talking about how maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, people were talking about how he, you know, you need to win, have your own team to win. You know, the, for the legacy, and you won't get the credit and whatnot. He kind of was listening to all that, I guess. That he needed to go prove it on his own, and he was just he was always worried about what other people were saying to him. You know, now he doesn't need anyone's anyone to uh, you know validate him. You know, he he validates himself, sort of situation maybe. Who 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 the fuck knows? Kyrie, Kyrie's a weird dude. And I think he's like a sort of a fake deep dude. That gets like too intellectual about things when he's not really that smart. I don't know though. Never been around the guy. But that's what it seems like to me. That he doesn't really think these things through. But he tries to act like he did. So he says some big words and gets like real arrogant shit like that. I don't know. But Kyrie also was saying, what did he say after the game? There was another one where they were talking. Hold on. I just had it. Here you go. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were asking I have a focus in winning a championship this year, and um, that's where my focus is going to stay. So, you know, even me saying something like that is not concrete enough for anybody. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, I got to go home and take care of my family and friends, and that's the stuff where it really matters for me. Um, you know, loving the game of basketball, that's where it's always going to be. I didn't do this for the media. I didn't do this for the money. I didn't do this for the fans. I did it because I love the game, and I work extremely hard at my craft, and I want to be one of the greatest ever. So that's where my focus is. You know what I mean? It's going to come. I'm appreciative how... Yeah, I think just talking about all the love that he got tonight because he did get a lot of love, and you know I'm sure that that's great to hear. You know, especially since he's from the area, but he obviously wants to focus on this season. That's great and everything. He's saying everything he needs to, but the pregame like, yeah, like melodramatic rant 
Because people are, you know, Pete, these people are going to be asking you questions and, and saying, saying shit like this season hasn't gone as you thought it would. And I, I don't know what the hell that means. Maybe, what, is, is the guys around having, I don't know, like that, it just seems like you're constantly throwing shade at the people around you. Like, uh, it's great, I'm playing well. But the, the, the team's not as good as I thought and everyone's not doing, everyone, everything's not like I thought it would be. thought it'd be a lot better here. Just not. Ain't so much what it cracked up to be. I don't know. I just don't know. Shit. What else is there to talk about? Fucking, I just talked about NBA for almost an hour. And the Super Bowl is on Sunday. How crazy is that? That's two days from now, tomorrow, whatever. Whatever shit you want. I don't want to offend you. I know I might have offended you earlier. Sorry to all you day... Deists. I don't know if deist is an actual word. I'm sure it is, and I have offended those people as well. Super Bowl. Pats Rams. 6.30. Sunday afternoon. We got Maroon 5 at the halftime, possibly joined by Travis Scott. Cardi B turned that shit down. <sighs> Got Tony Romo and Jim Nance on the call with Gene Steratore providing the most important duties of the night, which will be the referee uh, analysis. Yeah, it looks like a good call to me, Jim. What do I think of the game? What do I think is going to happen? I, th- If my money... My money's going to stay with in the New England section. Not to say that I couldn't see it going either way. I'll just bet... I'll always bet the Patriots because... I, it's just how the fuck can you bet against Tom? I know we beat him last year. We being... The Philadelphia fucking Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles beat him last year. But I don't know if the Rams exactly got got that in them. Do they have what it takes? Jared Goff, I've sung his praises last week on this. He played a great game against New Orleans. Does he have that in him again? Because it's going to take more than what he did last week. And he did. he had some spectacular plays. Can he do it? On the biggest stage. That's the question you don't have for Tom. Tom's going to do it. Tom's going to score points. How can the uh, Patriots or how can the Rams stop them from getting points? They have a great defense. They have any weapon that, they, that you can need. They're going to... They have Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald. And anytime anyone's been able to beat Tom Brady, how have they beat them? They get pressure right in his face. The last team I saw that actually... In a playoff game, I would say, like, shut shut Tom and the boys down. And, like, actually, maybe they were the reason. Like, they kept their team in the game, and they were the reason that they won. Was, I think it was 2014, maybe. Denver Broncos, when Peyton Manning's last year, when they played the uh, the Patriots at Mile High. 
and it came down to the very end, but Brady and the boys just came up short. They weren't uh, – they, they got – they had the ball. They were driving down. They were on, like, the the Broncos. They needed a touchdown. They were on the Broncos 25, like, going in. But they – I think they had to turn the ball over on downs because it was just – it was ridiculous. That defense for Denver was unbelievable. Von Miller, DeMarcus uh, Ware. Trying to think of some of the uh, interior linemen, Malik Malik Jackson maybe, and uh, Terrence Knighton. It's another guy who went. Two guys who went and got paid somewhere else after that. So that all of that has nothing to do with this game, but it's just a. Uh, I'm thinking of just other scenarios where the defense the defense was the difference because you, you how we beat them. Was it just we outscored them? That's the only thing you could do. Had to, we scored 41 points. Tom Brady threw 500 yards against us. How, that, I didn't, how the fuck else were we going to beat them? Are the Rams going to do the same thing? Are they going to score that many points? Or is their de- their their defense is going to have to stop them? That's the only that to me that's the only way they're going to win. I don't see them putting up a forty burger, forty five. Even though I I have spoken to a psychic and he said forty to thirty would be the score, Ram Rams over Patriots. Now I'm not a big I don't bet with the psychics. I'm not I don't I'm not a big believer. But take it for what it's worth. Gonna have to get pressure right in his face. Dominic and Sue, Aaron Donald, two very capable men. Michael Brockers off the outside. Forgetting someone, forgetting the other man's name. But he's no slouch either. And Brady's gonna get the ball out quick, like he did last year, like he does every game. Whatever he does, whatever he needs to do. To move the ball and to score points. Marcus Peters and Tlaib are going to have to be on their game. With some tight coverage. I don't know what their game plan is going to be. But Wade Phillips. Is gonna have to think, he's going to have to cook something up. And it's obviously easier for a defensive coordinator. When you have weapons like that. Who can do many things. You can. I don't know if what their plans are. Sending blitzes. Because Tom, Tom eats the blitz up or, you know, sending four and hoping that those guys get there. You can't you can't play zone on it. You can't do anything. You're going to have to do something, though. Going to have to get pressure whenever, however, and whoever. But I see the Pats winning the game. I see them scoring a good amount of points. I see... I see Jared Goff struggling. I think that that's going to be the big, the big thing in the game. I think that Bill Belichick. I believe I said this even against about Mahomes, and it was true for most of the first half and into the second half, sort of. That he just eats up and he takes away your. Number one, your number one most favorite uh, option, 
your whatever your favorite weapon is, Tyreek Hill, that is, for Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. They take that away, and they make you do something else. And that may take you until third, you know, fourth quarter. For the for the Chiefs, it was almost enough, but it was just too late. Had they, had they started scoring earlier, Pats might have been fucked. They may have just ran the checkup on them, and Tom may have not been able to catch up. But what what killed them in that game was just that eight-minute drive to start the game. If the Rams can't get the Pats off the field, if they're able to keep that, if they do a similar uh, scenario to that where they just have an eight-minute eight, eight drive and then, the you know, say Goff comes out and quick three and out, give the ball back to Brady and he scores, that could be game right away. These are all crazy, you know, hypotheticals that may never happen. But what else do you do, Super Bowl? We got to talk about the uh, the crazy and anything you can talk about because now we talked about everything before last year's game, right? Any sort of possibility, what we needed to do, how the hell is Foles going to do this? How is he going to go into? How is he going to beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots? How are we going to pull this off? Huge underdogs. We got to do. We got to do everything that we can. And that's what that's the situation that the Rams are going to be in. They're going to pull every stop. I mean, Philly specials and, you know, huge, huge plays by Alshon in the back of the end zone. Corey Clement, perfect throws from Nick Foles. Strip sacks. It takes everything. Took us everything. So I assume it's going to take the Rams everything. And we'll see if they're up to the test. They ain't no Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm not so sure Jared Goff is no Nick Foles. I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's schooled enough. They may have him ready. But Bill's still Bill's still going to throw some stuff at you that you're just not ready for. Those first and second year quarterbacks, there's no the numbers against that he have that he puts up against them are unbelievable. He shuts he shuts them down, makes them read the field is what they've said. Shuts down their first and second reads and just makes them read the whole field. Apparently, that's the younger quarterbacks they like to you know keep their reads to a minimum. You now here I am sitting here talking like I'm Gruden, but. I watch as much NFL TV as anyone else does. Nicole Roby Coleman needs to shut up. He's talking too much. But it's a Super Bowl. You don't need any sort of motivation. Uh, if I was given a prediction, official score, Patriots, 34 Rams 21. That's that's what I'm going for, all right? It's pretty much. And MVP probably Tom. Uh, I saw one and a half, over one and a half uh, touchdowns for him. was like minus 180. That's probably a Lockski. He... 
But then again, you never know. Pretty good odds on that, though, in my in my humble opinion. I'm going to do something that very rarely is done on this podcast. And if you are still listening, I want to always thank you. This is the Hot Take Hot Box Sports Entertainment Podcast. I am your host, Matt McSweeney, doing this from my fucking room. What is good? Uh, we've talked a lot of shit tonight, and I thank anyone who has joined me. You know, there was a couple of uh, folks here for the live, the late live, and I always appreciate it. And I hope anyone who listens on the playback enjoys this as well. Any sort of feedback, always appreciated. I want to make this better. If you think this sucks and you think of a way that you could, I could possibly make this better... Or you think you hate me as a person and you think that I should change in a certain way. I would also love to hear that. But I'm going to do something that is very rarely done in this podcast. That's mentioned the Flyers. Wow. Who are on a fucking win streak. Are you kidding me, man? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 Go, Flyers, go. Alright, that's that's it. Now they they've been playing well. One six in a row. Uh came back on Boston. They got they got scored on very early and they, they came back and finished them off, won the game. Carter Hart pumping as it says, Gar- goalie Hart pumps life into Flyers as Oilers visit. They are only nine nine points, nine or ten points out of a playoff spot when I checked earlier tonight. And they have about 30 games left. And I'm no hockey expert. That, to me, smells like a run. I smell a run. All right. Yeah, that's right. I did just breathe, and I just inhaled, and I did indeed smell a fake run in the air but it's not fake to me i believe it folks i believe it 30 games flyers are having a youth movement not only with him they're getting rid of guys like dale weiss and uh jordan wheel taylor lear not necessarily old guys but guys we know aren't that good so we're giving younger guys who have more energy, who we don't know if they're good, more opportunities. And guess what? It seems like it's working. I mean, you even had Ghost miss a couple of these games, and they're still fucking gutting it out out there. They have, they've always had a good team. Like, a, uh, like, never said like Stanley Cup worthy, but not this trash ass team that that has been. Rolled out on the uh, ice fucking earlier this year and the end of last year. Most of last year, I would say. And especially fucking this year, dude. Fucking garbage. Fucking Hackstall would just do, would they do the same shit every night. So there'd be no point in watching. Now, I'll admit, I'm not the. I'm not obvious. I don't follow the team every day. But I have 
turned my attention meter up on the old brain meter. If you, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys don't. I've been told not everyone has a brain meter like I do. But I'm a fucking intelligent dude, so I can just do that and I get smarter. Just how I fucking roll. But Flyers in Edmonton tomorrow, Saturday, February 2nd, which is now today. Okay? We are now in today, an hour into this podcast. What's up? See, I think I'm starting to get crazy. All right, if you guys, if I, I'm sorry. All right, these these solo podcasts are tough. Okay, kind of, I kind of talk to myself. I say weird ass shit. You gotta, you gotta bear with me when you listen to this thing. Okay, if you and of course, if you want to come be a guest, I would love to have someone come sit next to me, and I could bounce a couple of these thoughts off of, and maybe stop from you know. Talking nonstop and just running on and on and on. I'm sure it gets old, but I appreciate you listening. Always. Always. But the Flyers Edmonton tomorrow. I, 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 now I am looking forward to them. Okay, I'm actually looking and checking out and seeing when their games are. And I guess that's a good thing. I just and if they make the playoffs or not, it's not really that big of a deal. I just want them to play well. Just want them to sh- keep showing me what they're showing me, which is promise. Carter Hart, he's just a rock back there. You can see the presence is just different on the ice. It, hockey's a, a huge. It's just a game of emotion. It is a game of emotion. Every sport is about emotion, but hockey more it seems more so than others. It drives the the play, the base, just the just the way the whole, the entire team plays. There aren't really plays, and it's just how how motivated you are to play that night. And it seems like the Flyers are motivated now every night to go out and play. Because they have a reason to. They have a goalie that they, they believe in behind them. It's not just a revolving door of different names slash different name. It didn't matter. Those guys are going to get run through anyway. There's the eventual inevitability in your head that if we get beat one time in this game, it's over. Over. Because that guy's not making a save behind us. It is what it is, though, you know? Those dark, those dark days are behind us. Positivity, moving forward for the Flyers. We are on that. We are on that positive wave in 2019, and hopefully the Flyers can just continue to just grind them out, grind out these wins. So that's all you can do. Hope the team, you know, will just keep winning, and those other teams ahead of you will lose. They will lose. All right. What else should we talk about? Uh, I guess we should talk about Bellator this past. I'm going to get into a little MMA here at the end. So if you want to check out, by all means, thank you for listening. I'm just kidding. Fuck off. What are you doing? Where are you going? All right. And why aren't you watching MMA? 
Fighting is fighting, folks. It's been happening since the very beginning of time. CC Gladiators. And Russell Crowe and Troy and shit like that. People have been fucking each other up for a long time. Now we've just made a sport of it. We just, just to find out who the baddest motherfucker on the planet is. They used to say Mike Tyson and the boxers were now, like... It, it was always cool, like, yeah, if... It might be the baddest man in the boxing ring. But if those dudes saw each other... Two likewise dudes saw each other in the street, say... A Brock Lesnar and uh, Lennox Lewis. Who's winning that fight? That's what MMA is all about. You find out who these dudes are. Who, who the best... What the best style is. Who the best fighters are in the world. There's as little to no rules as there can possibly be. You're going to find out who the best is every time the winners dude step in. Bellator is a MMA promotion. UFC is an MMA promotion. So Bellator is just like a, it seems like a, you know, B-League of of MMA talent. But that, that's kind of like disrespecting it. But it's the only way I can basically, you know, explain it to people who don't really, I guess, watch the sport. It's kind of, how else could I explain it? It's like the NFL. And then, like, the USFL. But the USFL has, like, has some up-and-coming players and some players who've been in the... have been in the NFL. They, they're, you know, they're sort of... You know, it didn't work out there. So they're, now they're playing in the uh, USFL. And then, you know, you got guys who are coming up who might go to the NFL. But they're making their name for themselves here. That's, I guess that's another way I could explain it. But Bellator... Uh, WWE wrestler Jack Swagger fought this weekend. He fought like a J.W. Kaiser, I think his name was. The man was basically a plumber. He was a 41-year-old plumber. Fucking, the guy looked like a mailman. Yeah, it was a joke. Jack Swagger is like a legit, you know, bona fide badass. His name's Jake. He fought under the name Jake Hager is his real name. But Jack Swagger, he just took him down and put the wood to him. Um, Aaron Pico fought a, Aaron Pico's a big, he's one of the hottest prospects in MMA. He, if you look him up and you see, you start reading about him, he was a wrestler. And he's just learned, he's, I believe he's recently, you know, not recently, but over the last couple of years learned how to, you know, refine his striking game. Learn better how to throw his hands. And I think he... May become may may be in love with his own hands, and just he just constantly wants to fuck people up and kill them, and that's kind of what happened. And when he fought Henry Corrales, uh, it was seemingly a number one contender fight. They said, and Corrales got clipped in, in thirty seconds into the fight. And Pico, ever since he clipped when he clipped him, he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't put his foot on the brake. As soon as he saw that, he went full gas, and he just tried to he tried to kill him. He didn't really do he didn't use any sort of technique. It, it seemed like it was all wild, going for the kill, and he left his chin exposed. And Corrales knocked him out in a clinch situation, knocked him out cold, while he was on his feet. Um, and that knockouts anywhere. All you have to do is just. Aaron Pico gets knocked out, and you'll you'll find that on YouTube. 
it was pretty phenomenal. It was a pretty, it was a pretty, pretty big fucking uh, moment for Henry Corrales. He's a life, sort of like a lifer in the in the sport. He's been he's made his you know he's had to work for everything that he's gotten in this in this sport. He's not like a, people would say that Pico has been you know not that not that he has, but that's that would be the argument. He's been gifted these like main events, sort of you know these high on the card situations when guys like Corrales have had to, you know, fight their way up. Not to say that I believe in any of that, but that would that's what people that's what I hear people say all the time. And then the main event was Fedor Emelianenko versus Ryan Bader for the at the end of they had a Grand Prix which is a eight man tournament for their heavyweight their heavyweight title had been vacant since I wanna say twenty fourteen, which is five years fucking crazy and it came down to these two and Fedor got knocked out by a swooping left sort of little hook he, he would like kind of like gave him the idea that he would come in for the takedown and Fedor was just not ready for it and clipped him right across the face and knocked him down and Ryan Bader swarmed him and he got the finish right away he came in uh, that's right that's what it is he came in with a Bomb to start the the ground and pound. He like waited and just timed it perfectly. Boom, dropped it in there, and that was all she wrote. Ryan Bader, two way champion, light heavyweight and heavyweight Bellator. Uh, he's calling the shots now. I saw him saying Chael Sonnen and shit like that. I would love. I love Chael Sonnen so. The bad guy, the American gangster. I, I'm, I'm, I'm signed up anytime he fights. It's just fun. He'll, he'll talk shit. He's, he, he's like a, he's, he does the stupidest shit when he's in there now. And that Fedor fight, he, he gave up so many good positions that he could have, fucking closed out on. I mean, I'm pretty sure he had on his back and like just slid off of him somehow. It, you guys probably don't care, but it, it's just stupid. But Ryan Bader, he wins. Good congratulations for him. No one really cares about Bellator right now. I I know I just wasted all your time, but you should you should consider watching it. It's fucking fun. Um, UFC is in Brazil this weekend. Fortaleza, Forta something. What is this? Fortaleza, Fortaleza. All right, so we got. Johnny Walker, okay, versus Justin Ledette. I don't really know about much about this Ledette fella, okay, but I saw Johnny Walker's last fight, and he fought a man named Khalil Roundtree Jr. who knocked out Gokan Saki, okay, who was the, they, I believe they called him the kickboxing Mike Tyson, okay, kickboxing Mike Tyson, I want to say, which is, they you always got to get some crazy nickname if you're a fighter. They'll call you something absolutely insane, and you you have to try to live up to it. And it, it you know it gets you fights. It carries you you know a little bit toward you, through your career, at least for you know gains you fans like me. So I'm in there watching a Gokan Saki fight, and he gets cleaned by this Roundtree guy. So I'm like, oh, let me see this Roundtree guy, all right? And then Roundtree goes in, fights a man named Johnny Walker, who is this six four chiseled fucking animal just beast okay if you you see him you're like how does he weigh 205 pounds 
Because that's, that's what they fight at light heavyweights, 205 pound limit. Holy shit. He got Khalil Roundtree and he got him in the clinch. I'll use my microphone as the, as the clinch. And he just, the guy tried to get his head away. He tried to get his head away and he could not do anything about it, okay? He was trying so hard. Get it out, get it out, get it out. Ah, it's bad to use my mic because I have to talk into it. But he just brought his head in and swooned in with this elbow. It was a righty on, righty on, uh, right on the head. And boom, man. Sleep time. And he fucking, he threw the ref off of him. I was like, damn, dude, take it easy. He, like, was jacked up after the fight. He does flips and shit like that. But I did see on his Instagram, he turned his comments off, which is always a, uh, red flag for me that you can't take the, uh, can't take the heat from the outside world. You can't. You should. If you're if you're famous like that and a fighter, you can't be looking at those comments. You can't can't be worried about what the public thinks. None of those fucking people have ever fought before. They don't know what it's like. So you're in there saying, "Fuck you, you don't know." No shit, dude. None of those people get into a cage and fight for a living. It's a it's a crazy lifestyle. You're a wild motherfucker. No one can talk to you. Fucking. Crazy, but all of that's besides the point. Johnny Walker's a murderer, and you know my MMA, you know multiplication sort of, you know st string along sort of situation has led me to Johnny Walker, and I'm very curious. I'm honestly, I'm very fucking curious to see what he does tomorrow, or today, technically. Now, technically, it's today. All right, we changed it an hour into the podcast. Charles Oliveira, David Tamer. I know both of these guys, and I don't know who's going to win. Char Charles Oliveira has a little more uh, professional experience, 25-8. and eight. David Tamer, 8-1. and one. You know, that, does, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It's just something to take into consideration. I, like I said, don't know who's going to win that fight. Don't. I just don't. It's going to be a good one, though. I would probably say Tamer. If you held, if you held a gun to man and made me do it. I would say Tamer, but I wouldn't be happy about it. And I could definitely see Charles Oliveira winning that fight. Uh, next fight, Damian Maya, El Jefe, getting back in there. Haven't seen him in a while. Fighting a former Bellator champion, I want to say. Lyman Good, I believe he was, yes. Lyman Good's a 33-year-old gentleman. He's fighting uh, Damian Maya, so was 41. Uh, I I fucking I don't trust Maya. I think his stand up's garbage. He's shown it multiple times. He's a jujitsu expert. He's a he's a absolute. He's like an anaconda. He if he gets a hold of you, he's not letting go. So all you it seems like all you have to do is just threaten to knock him out. If you have threatening bomb like power. And honestly, I can't say that I've watched a ton of Lyman good fights. But if he's able to have any sort of power or keep distance or throw hands, Maya, Maya's striking is just brutal. And at 41, it's ne it has never developed. He, he got into the game relatively late, so. You know, and, uh, I'm not saying like he, you know, just started like learning how to fight. I'm saying, like, you know, in the striking game, he's gotten into this game very late, 
and he's not going to make any sort of giant leaps and bounds. He's always going to be like this. So he's always going to have an enormous weakness in his game that can be exploited by anyone, anytime. And, you know, when you're in a sport like this, taking damage, that's not good. It's, it's just, that, that's it. It is what it is. I would go with Lyman Good. Just don't trust Damian Maya. And Lyman Good's a underdog, live underdog for me. Uh, hopefully we'll have some units flying around on that. Co-main event of the night. This man asked for a three-round fight. He, did, he was going to be the main event here in Fortaleza, Brazil. Jose Aldo Jr., former featherweight champion of the world and pound-for-pound number one. He's fighting Renato Moicano. I don't know what to think here. Moicano, I one one of the last times I saw him, he knocked out Cub Swanson. I don't know if that is his last fight. It may be. Like I said, last time I saw him. And Aldo, the last time I saw him, knocked out Jeremy Stevens with a body shot in phenomenal fashion. A fight that I I thought that Jeremy Stevens, who was on the upswing, was going that was gonna be his like leaping off into trying to get himself a featherweight title shot. Cause he's you know, he uh, he's Jeremy Stevens ain't no spring chicken anymore. And he throws bombs. I I don't think he was gonna be able to be knocked out per se. But I was wrong. Cause he got cracked with a body shot and dropped and finished on the ground. Uh hats off hats off to Aldo. He he obviously still got it. He said he's got three more fights left here in 2019, and then that's it for him. This is the number. This is number one on that list, and he doesn't care about UFC gold anymore. Which makes it, it, it makes me worry. You know what your motivations are, or where your your mind, what your mindset is. Maybe that's good for him. Maybe he's now at peace. He's not worried about. Obtaining something that was just too much for him. Maybe he's being realistic. Maybe, who knows. But, Aldo. He's the favorite. I think he was minus 200. Moicano would be another consideration for a live underdog. It's going to be, I don't see... Aldo losing, though, in, in Brazil, but these guys are both Brazilians. You know, it's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of energy in the building tomorrow. I think the Brazil cards are fun. They're a lot of fun. I don't know. I would just enjoy that fight. But, you know, the underdog's always fun to bet because the more money can be made. Finally, main event, Rafael, Rafael Asuncao. Marlon Marais. Marlon Marais knocked out Jimmy Rivera in about 30 seconds, I want to say. And I think it was a UFC card in Buffalo last year, maybe. Two years ago. Something like that. Uh, it's one of the huge fights that got him this situation in Rafael Sunsau. I want to say. 
Rob Font, UFC 226. That was a three-round decision. So, more than likely, this fight has been said to be a you know, number one contender fight for that 135 Bantamweight belt. I don't necessarily know if TJ has signed off on that or agreed to it. We'll say. I don't know who's going to win that fight either, Sun Sal Marice. I, 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 I like Marice. Mar I think Marice deserved the shot for some time. And who knows, though, dude? It's UFC. It's MMA. You just never know. This guy, these guys are so fucking good. But just for, for, for pick's sake, I'll pick Marice. All right? And what are we going to finish with? UFC. Uh, let me talk about the McGregor stuff. I guess. Hmm. McGregor and Khabib. Khabib got suspended for nine months. Can be reduced to six months. I see that he agrees to a uh, PSA. Or he has to do a, a public service announcement sort of commercial. Um, and he has to pay, he was ruled to pay $500,000, I want to say, and he's going to pay for his teammates, which are his, pretty much his cousins, and he calls them his brothers, and they're, they might as well be his brothers. <coughs> uh, they each, I think they each got suspended some, uh, 50000 and... Uh, you know, whatever. But Khabib said he's going to pay it, so it is. It's going to cost Mr. Nurmagomedov a lot of money. The, him jumping over the uh, the barrier. Uh, McGregor got a six month, fifty thousand dollars suspension. He's eligible to fight again in April. You can see him coming back July, June or July. That's definitely the ne the next time I think you could see you could see him. Uh, I saw them trying. They were gonna try and uh, try and get the specifics of the like uh, of what happened, you know, like I'm sorry, of the suspensions and stuff like that. He was guaranteed. Mega Metal was guaranteed to make two million dollars, and he's gonna have to pay seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Zubaira Tugarov was the guy that got into a fight with Connor in the octagon. Same with Abukar Nurmagomedov. They both were suspended for a year. So uh, October 6th was the date of the fight. That's when, uh, you know. And Khabib has said he's never going to fight in Nevada again. I don't know, man. You know, I think I might just have to piece this together another time. I'll, I'll probably bring this up next time, me and... Uh, my man Ty Capone out here, Al Capone's son. Shout out to uh, Ty Capone. will probably be on here on the podcast pretty soon. Next one, uh, I'll, I'll definitely want to do a uh, a guest because I know I've done a couple in a row of just me. 
rambling on and I tonight did an hour and a half. So I appreciate anyone who sat here and listened to this. Uh, Hot Take Hot Box, episode 20. Uh, 20 episodes. I can't actually believe I've done that many so far, but it's crazy. Um, again, thank you to any and all listeners. And please spread the word. Let everyone know. This is the hottest fucking hot take, hot box movement that you could ever imagine. And we are moving out in the streets every single day. You people know it. And you people got to show it. You people just got to respect it, all right? So, Matt McSweeney signing out. Ladies and gentlemen, sweet dreams. And like, like always, folks, drink water.